You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey everyone, this week we're giving away a one-year subscription to pushlink.com, P-U-S-H-L-Y-N-K. It's valued at about 600 bucks. Pushlink allows you to send push notifications to your subscribers on almost any platform. The fact is push notifications get about 10 times the response rate when compared to traditional email. For a chance to win, subscribe to the podcast, then take a quick snapshot or picture showing you're subscribed and text it to 716-218-8981 or you can email it to growthexperts at yahoo.com. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. And today, again, we have yet another amazing guest. His name is John Hall, and he's the CEO and co-founder of Influence & Co., a well-known content marketing agency, a top-rated keynote speaker who also writes for Forbes, Inc., and has also contributed to over 50 other publications during his career. He's also the author of a hit book called Top of Mind, Use Content to Unleash Your Influence and engage those who matter to you, which is how I heard about him. So welcome to the show, John. It's good to be here. Yeah. Thank you for joining me. You know, that book title there, that's a mouthful, right? Top of mind, use content to unleash your influence and engage those who matter to you. Boy, if it was just that easy, right? Yeah. If it was easy. Yeah. I probably want to write and a book about it. I probably want to have to write a book about it. Yeah, for sure. So it's great that you joined us. I really appreciate it. We're going to talk a little bit about the book. We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of what you, some of the things you've went through to grow your business, Influence & Co. But before we do that, can you do me a favor and just kind of share with the audience a little bit about what you're up to over there? I mean, really the, um, I mean, the the whole kind of purpose of Influence & Co. was to create trust with specific audiences from companies and individuals. So that's obviously very broad. But what we saw is there was an opportunity is about five or six years ago to help companies create engaging content coming from their key employees representing the brand and then using that to distribute to all the places where their audience is consuming content. And so that was kind of how we were created and, and the purpose of why we were built. And, and as it's evolved, we've figured out that really content creation and, and distribution is important across all types of companies, all types of sizes. and so. As crazy as it is, we haven't like gone in one specific industry. Really, our companies range from you know like a, a Shark Tank company uh, as small as a you know an entrepreneur or sole, or, uh, sole proprietor there, or a uh, you know somebody like an AIG or or Google or something like that. And so we've been very fortunate to kind of just follow the value of you know figuring out what content is most valuable for a specific audience and then getting that you know, from a, a company to educate them. So it, it's as much as could be seen like rocket science as we get into content marketing and the PR trends and things like that. It's a, a very simple kind of idea that's, that's done very well for us. So the research that I did here, kind of when I looked at the, it from the outside in, it kind of looked like you were a technology company in some ways, you know, in addition to this content creation piece. Can you peel that back a little bit further? Because I know there's some technology 
And I'm not really clear as to whether you guys are actually creating the content internally. I know you have like a whole, you know, host or bank of writers, of top writers and people that produce content. Can you just peel it back a little bit further for us? Really, everybody, I mean, everybody should be using technology in some way as a service company. I know that's a big kind of statement to say, but I I think service companies that don't have a form of technology to back them up are kind of dated, to be honest with you. And so for me, we started out as a service company and the idea was to help create the content, make it easy. So like, for example, me, I don't love writing the time that it takes. It just it's tough for me as a leader and entrepreneur. I love sharing my thoughts, my expertise. I love educating others. And so the process was based around forming a team to extract knowledge and then be able to write. So we actually have writers on staff editors and then we have the publication relationships to distribute. Now, as you go through that process and, and you look at the PR industry, it's actually pretty expensive. Relationships are expensive. The writing content adds up, the editing, the strategy, it all adds up. And so when we looked at it, we had to say, hey, we want to somewhat, not necessarily, I, I don't love the word disrupt all the time, but we wanted to get in a price range that was better than a lot of the bigger players. If you look at the PR industry and content marketing, a lot of the big agencies are hundreds, $200,000 a month. It's, it's crazy what these retainers are. And we actually wanted to kind of find a area that was very affordable, bang for the buck, but still did the same deliverables. And so that's why technology became so important, is that anytime you want to become more efficient, a lot of times technology is, the, is one of the best solutions. So we created a software that not only manages the process, workflow, tracks analytics, gives a transparent view of what's going on. That was one of the biggest things in our area of like even just the PR area, people were like, where are things being in place? Well, I don't know. We're working, we're pitching. And you don't really know there wasn't actually progress updates. Well, now any client can go and look at every single piece, where it's going, when it's being published, all that jazz. And so I think for us, it was a necessity because of an efficiency. So we could have a more affordable price in addition to uh, being transparent so we could be uh, held accountable. Yeah, perfect. I think that's I think that's a huge differentiator, right? I mean, from a traditional PR agency, which is probably going to like you said, kind of keep it behind their closed walls so that they can, you know, spin it any way they want if they're behind or ahead of schedule or whatever the case may be. But yeah, I think that's an interesting take on the service industry, regardless of whether it's an online type business or whatever the industry is, you know, taking more of a, a technology approach and attaching it to that service obviously has it's been used a lot of times in other businesses. So I think that's a, an interesting approach. So do you mind telling me a little bit more about the company as far as, I mean, how big is it? What size, how much revenue or employees, whatever, you know, format you want to put it in so we can get a sense of the scale? Sure. Yeah. I mean, for transparency reasons, we can, you can just look on Inc. 500 just because we made it the last uh, three years. And so our revenues will be somewhere between seven and 10 million. Our staff, we have somewhere full time between, well, actually all on payroll, we have about 150 but out of those full-time are probably around 70 or 80. And so that's kind of the, the staff, the revenue. And then we're in th- three different cities. So in 2016, which was the last, you know, 2017 was published, right? So you were on the Inc. 500 in 2017. Congratulations. Thanks. Um, that was based on 2016 revenue. And you're saying that was about 10 million or is that what you did in 17? No, no, we did it on the one in last year, we did about six or something. You, you can look up the gotcha. exact number. Okay. And gotcha. then I'm saying uh, what I was doing is what it's, I mean, I, I don't like telling 
people what you're going to do next. Everybody says like, oh, well, we're going to make like 20 million this year or 50 million. Right. Everybody like, I mean, I like giving a range of what I know we're going to make to what sure. we're, you know, probably or, or the potential. So that's why I gave that more conservative. Perfect. No, that's great. So that's still, that's still huge growth, right? From six mm-hmm. to, you know, somewhere in the range of seven to 10. So that's still a lot of great growth. So, all right. So let's go back a little bit, right? And let's think back to the early days of the, when you first founded the company and you were scratching and clawing to get those first clients. Can you tell us how you got your first few clients? Is there a story there? Because I know that a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, they, they hear about all these, you know, very elaborate marketing strategies and techniques and funnels and content marketing and all this and everything that's out there. And it just is very confusing. But sometimes what I found is that these early clients come very different than what most people might think. Can you share with us a little bit about that? How that worked for you guys? I mean, yeah, it was just, it was hustling our butts off at the beginning. I mean, it was not giving up. I mean, there was times where we, you know, it's easy to get discouraged and to be like, oh, well, we are a startup and we're not going to create the opportunity that we need to. And so there was very discouraging moments where we didn't think we were going to survive. And so I think that the advice that I give is that I remember, like I always give the example to people of the conference that I went to in DC and cried and got upset, called my wife uh, thinking that, you know, I I have a fear of failure. So I was thinking that we were going to absolutely fail. And then, um, you know, that we just, I honestly, it's like I had a good support system. My co-founder Kelsey um, was great and a support on it and was believed in what we could do together. And, you know, my wife and friends were supportive. And so I think that you get more fearless when you're surrounded by good people. And so I, a lot of people think they say that, oh, it's got to almost come from within, which I believe that to a certain point. But I, what I believe more is that if you surround yourself with the great people to bring out the best version of yourself, you become fearless. And so and the reason why I be, have become more fearless is because I could lose everything. And as long as I still have my family, my wife, the relationship we have, the relationship with my kids, the relationship with close friends, and I don't care, I can go without money. And so that fearless drive can be very powerful at the beginning. Yeah, I agree. You know, having been an entrepreneur for over 25 years and had more ups and downs than I could possibly cover in one short episode, you know, I really having a good support system, whether that be friends, family, spouse, or otherwise is, is it's, it's huge. And, and I can tell you right now, I would have never been able to weather the storms without my wife and in the support system I have. So I totally, totally agree with you. Can we dive in a little bit more specific on how you got that first client? Maybe, you know, was it a referral? Was it, were you speaking and then they came to you? Was it, you know, much more cold calling? I mean, can you tell us a little bit about maybe a story around that one of those early clients that you remember? I mean, really the early ones for us were people that weren't like, were either at an event like the conferences that I told you about, like those were like our first more paying clients. Mm-hmm. But we, we initially got clients that were like testing out the service so we could use it as a case study just by asking other entrepreneurial friends. Sure. So it was pretty simple as that asking, saying, hey, who could we do this for that we could use as a case study? Right, for free. And, <laughs> yeah, and so that was the start of it. But the, the first ones we're paying were like, yeah, it, it was either, I'm trying to think the exact one, which our first couple, but I would I would say the first ones were the ones from those events that we just had to hustle to get, go and talk to, go to stay, you know, at happy hours and to basically hustle at those events. Like it's not, I don't want to say it's not rocket science. It was just as simple as, you know, working your butt off to create those opportunities. And also just 
not be afraid to ask for friends to help out. I mean, when we had a couple referrals and a couple conferences, you know, when you when you add those up, it got us like five or six clients. You know, for five, I think we were charging like eight hundred or a thousand service fees back then. Obviously, that's changed significantly. It was and it's a different service. But when you look at that, that's you know five six thousand dollars of money that we were able to you know, not go into debt. Like you asked me if we took a bunch of funding and we ended up, you know, taking, I think we drew 150 or $160,000 to start the company with our, our, we have a third partner that funded that and a holding company that provided that value. And, you know, when you look at that was paid back because we were able to get those first clients and making the six, the seven, the 10 with a lot of the other companies, you're underwater, you're not getting money until late in the game. This was an example of we were able to fund it, get out of debt. I think we paid it off in a, a year and a half. And then, you know, we don't have any outside uh, funding besides the three people that started the company. Perfect. So you went to events, you networked, and you basically just hustled, create, and you just created it out of thin air because ultimately necessity, uh, you know, drove that, you know, that activity because you're an early entrepreneur. And, and the reason why I, I think it's important to highlight that is that I think People have to understand that being an entrepreneur, especially in a startup, is not always fun and it's not always sexy and it's not always nearly as cute as it looks on Instagram or <laughs> or Facebook, right? You know, it's really a lot of it is really nitty gritty and just getting digging your hands in, getting dirty and doing the things, you know, that don't necessarily scale very well to get to the point where you can have some positive cash flow just so you can breathe, right? And so you 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 describe that very, very well. So now, now that the company's evolved, can you tell us maybe the number one strategy that you use to get new clients today? Because I know your clientele has probably changed a little bit. The service has changed a little bit. But if you had to isolate one strategy that you use to get new clients today, what would it be? To get new clients, um, I would say, I mean, our service. I mean, I'm biased, but I think content is a great way in the long term. And I think it helps out all of the other services and sales approaches. Because if you have a base of content that you're consistently getting out there, you can hit on multiple areas. So for example, you can have a search strategy where you're showing up organically when people are searching for things in your area. You can reach, you know, you can get in different publications where you can initially reach a, an audience to draw them back to you. You can get contributors to talk or influencers or journalists to talk about you in that content or in different content so that it, it refers back to you. You can use it as a leveraging tool in your sales pipeline. So if somebody says, oh, I don't know if I want to go with you and I have this challenge, you can say, great, here's some content that can help explain and educate you in the space to help with the conversions there. And then ultimately you need top talent and top talent wants to work for the best. And what do you mean by you know the best? It could be your product, but, but it, mainly when people say they want to work for the best, it's the, the brightest, the smartest, the people that they can learn from. And, and that's how that all fits together. So I think there are a lot of different successful sales tactics you can use, but from a, a core standpoint, there needs to be a, a, a base of content. So for you, it's content marketing. And then a lot of that is inbound leads, right? So if you're getting in a publication or you're writing an article on Inc or you're putting out some videos on YouTube or whatever, whatever, or social or whatever it is, a lot of that is inbound interest. So you're, you're reaching, you're getting very targeted with the type of content and the channel that you're going after. And then a lot of that is inbound. Is that correct? Correct. Perfect. Okay, great. What's your favorite? What, I mean, what's your favorite channel? I mean, what's the favorite form of content that you use? Is it video? Is it more written? I know you write for for Forbes and for Inc. I think you said, but what I know you said you struggle a little bit with writing, just like I do. It takes me forever. The written word, 
you know, it's powerful, but it, it's just seems like a homework assignment to me. <laughs> what about you? What, what's your favorite form of content? I've written um, digital. I still think is best. I love video and I love different, you know, the visual aspect of it. But at this point, still written content, digital content in that it's the one that you can scale the best you can. There's different value to it. People like right now, we're excited about visual and video because we have the capabilities that we never did have before. No matter what, people still like to read. And especially when they're looking to buy a service or to sell or to learn or, or to learn about something. Videos are fantastic and they create a different approach where which I think they are a part of a successful like or successful strategy. If you look at our site, you'll see videos throughout the site. However, still most of our, our value comes from our heavy written content approach, which does very well. Perfect. Okay, great. So content is everywhere, right? I mean, content marketing has become, you know, this monster. And some of that is obviously being supported by you as whether other as well as other content, you know, firms and organizations. But here's the question. There's so much content out there. It's hard to even focus sometimes, right? I mean, I think you'd agree you were getting hit from every angle. So how can entrepreneurs or or marketers or maybe a chief marketing officer that's listening to this build influence and trust with their target market in such a noisy world? I mean, I know that's a big question, but if there were a few things that, you know, what's your take on that? I mean, what's your approach if you were to sit down with, with a client and try to explain that process to them? Because I, I have a feeling they feel the same way. I mean, you, you just have to, I mean, you, you have to keep at it and you have to commit to it and you have to grow. It's like you building a podcast. It doesn't happen overnight. Ones like Tim Ferriss didn't start and say, hey, I'm going to start with 2 million podcast users and it's easy. You just got to build it. And so, and it's, and you got to also consistently share the right type of content. And so like I, what I tell people is do content triggers. So content triggers are the, my definition is that when you identify things that are super valuable to an audience that you're trying to influence and gain trust in, you need to create a trigger that is kind of a button push where it's like, great, that content needs to be on my platform because it's so valuable. So that's key. Distribution is becoming more key. So getting people to talk about you, getting um, more eyes on your content, something that I tell, like even with companies that come to us, they'll be like, oh, hey, like I want to do press or PR. I'm like, well, what else do you want to do? And they're like, oh, we want to be talked about. Well, why? Well, you want to gain this trust here. So there's, and you ultimately want them to buy from you. So you better have some sort of a strategy to consistently get them to come back to you. And so then it goes to a conversation where a lot of times it's not just one approach. It's in that example, it was let's get some an article placed that is a good article that goes that reaches this audience. Then let's also get some articles around it placed and point to it and link to it so that that's the one that shows up when people are reading content and not just tomorrow, but in a year, two years, three years. If you type in PR trends, if you type in content marketing trends, if you type in content marketing companies, if you type in almost all of content marketing agency, you will see my company, my, my own name um, all over those articles. You'll see that we own that space. And that didn't happen over time, but we've done it and we've committed to it. And so that's what I would recommend uh, to shoot for. Yeah. So there's no quick fix, right? It's really, no. you got to play the long game with content, but you have to be strategic. You mentioned something in your answer there, which was, content triggers. Can you take one minute and expand on that? Maybe give us some examples because that seems really interesting to me. I mean, it's uh, pretty simple. Yesterday, I was talking to someone who said, we don't want to go with your company because because we think that 
we think that somebody in New York or LA or San Francisco would have more relationships. And I go, okay, cool. Here, let me shoot you a few articles. And I sent them an article with countless, even not just articles from us, but articles about us too, that discussed how we are the largest creator and distributor of expert content in media. And so he was responding, was like, oh shit, I didn't know that. And I was like, okay, well, yeah. And so then it, it switched the scripts where he was like, sorry, like I just assumed. And I go, that's a bad assumption to make. There's a lot of cool places around that aren't in San Francisco or LA or New York that are doing some great things. And so then it changed. And then it became this relationship where he was like, well, I want to deal with you guys. And I was like, I don't know. You were kind of a butthead. And so um, <laughs> that, was a, that was an example of one where you think that was the first time that I've heard that? No, we've heard it before. So we actually did the data and we actually made an effort to show people like, look, like we're getting consistent pieces out there. We're working with these types of customers. And you know, we had a content strategy that basically allowed to communicate that information. And then it turns, it results in us, you know, once again, gaining trust, having people wanting to deal with us rather than us fighting to deal with them. Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, if you can't get PR in your own company or you can't get published about your own company, how are you going to do about anybody else's, right? So you use social proof as that trigger, you know, the trigger that he kind of said the credibility piece and you just turned it around on him and flipped the script. So that's perfect. No, that's awesome. Thank you. So, all right. So one more question here centered around content marketing. You know, you've been doing this since what, 2011, I think is when the company started. Is that about accurate? Uh, yes. About, so that's six, seven years now. So you've seen, and it that doesn't seem like a long time, but in the scale of internet marketing, digital marketing, online marketing, it, it seems like a lifetime and so much has changed. I mean, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you're seeing companies making now when it comes to content marketing? You know, if you had to pick out one or two big mistakes that people are making and they need to avoid, what would they be? Oh, that you, the, uh, the ego and pride. I mean, the biggest mistake that I see in business is you just, you're not humble. You're not always trying to make yourself better. You, you miss something because you got too cocky. I mean, that it's all for me. One of the biggest issues with, you know, failure is you let pride get in the way. If you don't let that get in the way and you, like I said, surround yourself with good people and you keep working at it, that you're going to be successful. And bottom line, that's just, it's, I firmly believe in it. And so you might have seven failures or eight failures, but if you keep doing that and keep at it and keep getting the right people around you, you're going to do well. And, and there's not a person that I've seen that's done that, that uh, hasn't at least uh, seen some form of, uh, of success. And so that goes back to your, what we were talking about before, which was kind of build it one brick at a time, you know, don't get so caught up with the with the results, you know, just continue to do the input, continue to do the work and stack it up, stack the value up over time and it'll pay long-term dividends, right? And I think some some people when they think about PR, when they think about content marketing, they think they're going to put this one great masterpiece out there and it's just going to become a rainmaker and that just doesn't yeah. happen very often, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Perfect. All right, so listen, let's shift gears a little bit. What's your favorite growth tool or software? You know, take a minute and talk about that. Growth tool or software. Some I mean, technology I, that you're using. That, I would say probably, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I would like, I was just actually testing out a new platform calendar.com, but it's in alpha right now. I love that because I'm really big on managing your time effectively and also the relationships that you have, especially the important ones spending, you know, the right amount of time. And, and that's the only thing that we don't have unlimited of. I mean, we, we can make a lot of money, we can do a lot of things. 
but time is something we don't have. So I was just testing that out the other day and I'm pretty pumped about that. I think they launch it over the summer, but you can pre-sign. But that was one that I was really excited about recently. Yeah, besides okay. that, like I, I love like Buffer and so, some things that are like simple apps that can, you know, for me, that helped me grow my social a decent amount. And so, but I, I would, yeah, I would say check out calendar.com first. Perfect. So besides your book, of course, what's one book that you highly recommend to my listeners and why? One book. I mean, there's a ton out there. I would say Giftology is a good one. John Rowan wrote that. Yeah. I would say that's a, that's a start. And yeah, love uh, that book. Great yeah. book. Yeah. Perfect. Well, listen, that's pretty much going to wrap it up for today. Let everyone know how they can connect with you and learn more about your company and how they can use content to grow their business. Cool. Yeah. So the best, pl- I mean, really, I, I don't, I'm not very hard to reach. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, John Hall's the handle, my emails, john at influenceandco.com. Obviously, if there's something that's interested in Influence Co, it makes sense there. LinkedIn, you can connect with me and just mention you heard me on this podcast and I'll connect uh, when I get a chance. And besides that, I mean, the, if you can't reach me by then, I mean, I would send a carrier pigeon or something because then I'm just like, I don't know where I'm at. So that should be a pretty easy one. Perfect. So we'll, we'll put those in the show notes. And listen, John, I really appreciate you taking the time. Congratulations on all your success. And I'm sure we'll be chatting again soon. Cool. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks, John. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.